Welcome to the NLPCourses.com show, where we push past the hype and pull back the velvet curtains of creating a successful life with NLP. Diving into physiology, neuroscience, and linguistics so that NLP becomes a practical tool at home and in your career, moving beyond the techniques so that you can make a name, make money, or make a difference. Tune in weekly if you care more than others think wise as we set out on our quest to uncover the secrets of successful people from all walks of life. Make sure you head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe to receive our newsletter and receive free transcripts of each show. Here's your host, NLP Master Trainer, John Cassidy Rice. The artist is a receptacle for emotions that come from all over the place, from the sky, from the earth, from a scrap of paper, from passing a shape, from a spider's web. Pablo Picasso. Hello, my name is John Cassidy Rice and I have the pleasure to be your host for this session. And in this session, you might have picked up that we're going to be exploring emotions. And one of the techniques that I think is exceptional within NLP is called a chained anchor, where we train the brain to go from one state, go through a journey and end up in a different state. Now, it's not that I want to teach you that technique in this session, but it's a vehicle for talking about emotions. And what I'll do, if you are interested in that technique, not only will I put a step-by-step process of how to do that technique in the resources of this section, I'll see if I can find a video to put up and put a link to the video within the resource sections as well. Now, what we're doing with the chained anchor is training the brain, your neurology, to go on the journey. So think of it, you're in one part of town and you go on a journey and you end up in a new destination. For example, when I was first started getting interested in NLP, I was attending some practice groups. I hadn't done any particular training in it. I've read some books. I was just fascinated with this NLP stuff. And at one of the practice groups, one of the guys there said, why don't you take a practice group? And I was like, who me? I don't really know this stuff. Because you have to remember at that time that I had low self-esteem, very little confidence, dyslexic, learning issues, you name it. I had it all going on. And he said, no, no, you do it. So I thought to myself, you know what? If I'm going to put myself in a situation of being really uncomfortable, I thought I'd do something that gets all out of our comfort zone, i.e. so that we're all in rapport. So I thought I'd do the Mozart strategy that Robert Diltz talks about in his book, Strategies of Genius, Volume 1. And this is where you take a group of non-musicians and you compose, conduct and perform and notate a piece of music in about an hour and a half. It really gets people out of their comfort zones. And to my surprise, it went really well. So I was reasonably pleased with it. And a gentleman who attended the practice group said, oh, I run a training company. Would you come and do that for one of my clients? And I was like, oh, and I said, you know, I'm not a trainer because I wasn't a trainer at that point. I'd only just got into this NLP stuff. I was a musician, but not a trainer. And he said, no, that's fine. You just do exactly what you've done there and that'll be fine. So I said, oh, okay then. And he said to me, how much do you charge? Now, at that point, I'm playing in bands. I've got a part-time job, pretty much on minimum wage. You know, this is all the effect of this low self-esteem, learning issues, etc. 
Now, NLP turned my whole life around. I now work on an international platform. It's just fabulous. But at that point, I had really had no confidence. And when he said, how much do you charge? Well, I've got no idea. And in fact, I thought to myself, I'll charge a lot so that he won't take me up on it. Now, when you're on minimum wage, that is where you're basing your your line of what's too much and what's too little. Um, so I'm not really sure. So I thought to myself, OK, then I said, so who's it for? And he said, it's for the Financial Times. And uh, they've got some up and coming stars that they really want to stretch and sort of accelerate their learning. So that really didn't help. So I just pluck a figure out of the air and I said, a hundred pounds. And he said, a oh, hundred pound an hour. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't show that hopefully. And he said, well, that's too little for the financial times. They just won't take us seriously. So I'll be up in your fee. So I'm sure you won't mind. And I was like, okay then. And I suddenly realized I have gone into this state of sheer panic because I have agreed to do this thing that's way outside of my comfort zone at that point. So I was like, okay then. Now, to walk out in front of these people, you would have to be confident. And I'm at a place of sheer panic. And a straightforward anchoring exercise tends to not work that well to sort of build that confidence. Because one of the things we have to remember is the strongest emotion in your neurology will always win out. So if you have a very high so-called negative emotion, then what's going to happen is going to override a positive emotion that's not as strong. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm in sheer panic and I've got to get to a place of confidence. And that's just too far for my neurology to leap. That's a little bit like if I'm on one side of a river and I've got to jump to the other side. And I know it's just that too far. When I jump, I'm going in the water. So what could I do about that? So I thought, I could, if I had stepping stones that took me one from one side of the river to the other side, I could possibly do that. So sheer panic to a fear was doable. Fear to grounded is useful. I, can, I think I can do that. Now, grounded to curiosity is easy. Curiosity to confidence makes it a lot easier. And I set that up to for my neurology to run through those emotions automatically using the chained anchor that we talked about earlier. And I'm so pleased I did because I arrived at this mansion in the middle of nowhere and, you know, just the most beautiful cars all parked around. So I hid my car and walked out and I felt this sheer panic start to emerge which triggered off this chain of emotions to where I ended up being confident and it went really well so the first time I ever did any training without being trained as a trainer was for the Financial Times now what this got me thinking about was emotions we often notice emotions as their peak but do emotions go through a journey? And I'd like to explore that idea. Because when you pay attention to emotions, because when you pay attention to emotions and understand how they link together quite naturally, if you're doing one-to-one -one work with somebody, you can design a process that naturally follows where their neurology wants to go. And that accelerates the change work. 
It also enables you to track where somebody is likely to end up starting off at one emotion. So we're going to explore that idea in this session. Do emotions go through a journey? And if we know about the journey, can we predict where somebody will end up and utilize that for ourselves? Okay, so we need a starting point. Let's start with procrastination. Now, if you do find yourself procrastinating, just put it off until later. Now, procrastination is a topic I get asked a lot about. So what's the natural journey that the neurology would go through to end up for somebody to actually take action in an area of their life? And we've all done it, haven't we? We've all procrastinated and it gets to a point where it's like, ah, why am I putting this off? So procrastination is a useful emotion in itself. Partly because if you put something off, a problem for example, it can resolve itself. Not always, but can resolve itself. Sponsor of this week's NLPCourses.com podcast show, the NLP Practitioner Training, designed to transform your life. Attend the first day completely free. Find out more. Head over to the website to secure your place with the next NLP Practitioner. From an evolutionary point of view, why would we procrastinate? Well, as long as we're fed and we've got somewhere to live and we procrastinate going out and hunting, we're less likely to be killed by another animal. And the, the ones among us that was adventurous and went out were often the ones that got killed. So you can see from an evolutionary point of view why procrastination would be a key emotion that a lot of us experience on a regular basis. So we are thinking about this journey from procrastination to action. What would be the natural emotion that we'd move towards next? So if you think about it, if you've been putting something off, you've been putting something off, been putting something off, what the body often needs is some energy. Because when we procrastinate, we do one or two things, we feel like we have no energy or we disperse the energy. So what the body starts to do is to build that energy up for us. And you've been putting something off, you've been putting something off, and then you start to become frustrated. And in that frustration builds the energy. And as that frustration builds and becomes stronger and stronger, it naturally moves us into another emotion, which is a very powerful emotion. And that emotion is anger. Oh, anger is wonderful. Anger is like dynamite. It can move a mountain in a moment, but it can also blow up in your face. Now, anger is a great emotion because what does anger do to us? So we've been putting something off, we've been putting something off, we've become frustrated, but we're still not doing anything. That's your body building the energy. And then the next level, if you're lucky, you go into this angry mode, not angry in life, but angry about the situation. And I have purposely made people angry, not at me, but at the situation, just to get enough energy in their body. Now, once you've got all this energy and you think back to your life, there's a point where you've just got angry enough that you just went ahead and did something. Well, that's how incredible anger is, but we do need to be careful working with anger. So now that we've built all this energy in the body, if it doesn't go anywhere and we don't take action, we don't do something, the danger is we don't do anything, it explodes and it is damaging to our system. 
but can we direct it? Now, hopefully, we want to keep the energy up and we want to keep the momentum moving so we can then start to control this energy that we're calling anger and put it into a direction which we'll call, let's say, emotivated. You become motivated. Now, once you're motivated and you point that in a direction, it leads you to action, which is just incredible. So we can see there's a natural journey from an emotional point of view that we go from being procrastinating to taking action. And if you were to design a process that enables someone to accelerate that journey, we'd get more done in less time. Then also the reverse of that. Sometimes you're in a situation where somebody is getting angry and we notice that anger is a really big emotion. If we don't do anything with it, it can be dangerous. Now, anger would then, if we were to reduce it, would go to frustration. Then we go to frustration, we could go to grounded. And once we're at grounded, we could move into being in control. So there does seem to be a natural flow to emotions. So a few years ago, I started tracking emotions and see whether, where would they end up, both positive and negative. And so if we think about satisfaction, for example, satisfaction will often lead itself to amusement if you allow it to progress. And then as amusement builds, it moves into joy and then joy lends itself to laughter. So there's some of the positive emotions. So, but what if we want to read somebody and maybe we're starting to read some not positive states, but what we so-called negative states. And how I tracked these was through facial expressions. We spend a lot of time on the introduction and throughout the NLP training, training you to read these signals. So these are just some of my observations. So if somebody starts from sternness, what emotional journey is it likely to trigger if you allow it to run its full course? And let's acknowledge, not everybody will run a full course of emotions. They'll maybe only get to a certain point. So let's take sternness. Where does sternness next start to move to? If we allow sternness to grow and to build on itself, it will move into indignation. And if we allow indignation to start to build on itself, it can move into this anger. And if you allow anger to build and it's heading in a negative place, it tends to move to rage. So let me give you a practical application of where this is very useful. Uh, several years ago now, I was working in London and I happened to be working in London on my birthday. And the venue that we're holding this event at had a comedy night. And some of the students invited me along to the comedy night. So I thought to myself, yeah, why not? That should be a laugh. So we attended this event and the comedians were good, but the group was small in the room, so there wasn't a lot. And the comedians were testing out new material. Now we had this one comedian who apparently was the big name of the event. I've not really heard of him, but had been on TV, etc. You know, and he was good, but one of the people in the audience were happened to be a little bit more f funnier than him. And you could see this banter going back and forth until the comedian did a put down and this expression of sternness started to come over this audience member's face. 
And I'm observing this and I'm thinking to myself, I think I can guess where this might go. And the comedian did a bit more and directed some more insults at this guy and he moved into this indignation. And I thought to myself, the signals are here that what's quite likely to happen is there's something's going to trigger and they might end up even fighting which means the police may be called and it could be one or two o'clock in the morning before I get back to my hotel room. So I tried to indicate to the rest of the people I was with that this is the time to leave, but none of them were interested. So I bid them goodbye and wished them well and off I went. And the next day, the student said to me, the banter between the audience member and this comedian got worse and worse until unfortunately the comedian bopped this person on the head with the microphone which caused this quite big guy to stand up and they started to have some physical contact well the police were called the comedian ran off and they had to find him and it was two or three o'clock in the morning before my students got back to their hotel rooms because apparently this comedian who'd had a couple of drinks had left the building and went for a walk the police got hold of him and they couldn't question him because he had been drinking and they had to wait till he was sober so he ended up a night in jail this comedian and my students ended up at two or three in the morning giving statements and having to wait around for all this to resolve itself so being able to read emotions and understand what one emotion triggers another emotion is very useful it enabled me to get to bed at a reasonable time so think of all the applications in social situations with your boss, your colleagues and your family that if you'd read the emotion early on, you could have taken a different course of action. Yeah, and this is one of the reasons I got interested in what one emotion triggers another emotion. So, so a couple more examples. Disdain, as it builds, will move to aversion. And then aversion tends to move into disgust which moves into revulsion and probably won't see that one a lot so what about a more common emotion like concern concern can lead itself to an anxiety and that leads itself to fear and that triggers terror so these are just my own observations and i'm sure you have some observations also so in this session we've covered a lot are you aware of just how much we covered and how valuable this potentially can be so let's have a quick recap. We started off talking about a chained anchor. And like I said, I will put the instructions for doing a chained anchor in the resource notes. And if I can find it, a video of the chained anchor being demonstrated. We talked about emotions triggering one emotion. And if we were to design an intervention for somebody or help somebody build resources, we could utilize how emotions naturally flow to be able to design a process with them and for them. But also being able to read emotions can be very useful. We've talked about procrastination and the natural journey it takes to get into action. And now that we know that journey, potentially could speed the whole thing up. We pointed out some pitfalls and that anger can be wonderful if used in the correct way. Then we start to look at some other examples and where being able to read those emotions enable me to have a good night out and not have to spend most of the night talking to the police. We looked at some other examples that are observed where one emotion triggers another emotion. 
So if you've got any questions, if you've got any of your own observations, please do share it, leave a comment below. And also, if you are interested in emotions, you probably come across something called emotional intelligence. Well, at the release of this podcast, we're doing a promotion. If you feel motivated to book onto our NLP practitioner or NLP master practitioner, we will give you as a gift an emotional intelligence course. This is an online course. You'll have immediate access to it. So I suggest you go straight to that page and I'll put a link in the resource section here and find out what it's all about. Well, until next week, have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in. You were just listening to NLPcourses.com podcast show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and make sure to head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter where we keep you updated with in-depth NLP topics. Subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neuro-linguistics, programming, and beyond.